Hello! I'm Kelsey. And I'm Kim. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 5 of the Massive Fans Book Club Podcast. Today, we are doing some dinner and training. It's kind of a weird combo, but it is what it is. Because we're doing Chapter 17 through 19 of A Court of Wings and Ruin by Sarah J. Matz. But first, quick housekeeping rules. You know the drill. This podcast isn't for little ears. And as always... We welcome you to share your thoughts, songs, whatever you want with us at any and all platforms on the interwebs. Also, it's giveaway winner time. Listen to the Woo-hoo. end of the episode to hear who our November winner of the Bent Grass Designs bouquet is. Or check socials tomorrow. We'll run through socials at the end of the podcast as per usual. So with that, we'll keep things moving because I feel like 17 and 18 are a lot. We probably have a lot of feelings. So Kim, kick us off. Okay, so chapter 17 opens up with Cassian taking Feyre back to the House of Wind for dinner. They are on their way back, because remember, they had that meeting in Amarin's apartment. And that's where everything had ended off, and Feyre and and, and Resand had gotten kind of awkward. And so they are now, you know, dressed, going to dinner, and Cassian is flying Feyre. Because as as he admitted to her that he was still working to strengthen up his wings and he needed to push himself. Right. Okay. Which we'll get to later because I got timeline questions, but that comes up in in 19, so. That makes two of us. Because it's like, dude, you went and kicked Eris' ass. What the hell? Right. Um, Anyways. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. same. You kicked Eris's ass this morning. What the fuck, bud? Um, <laughs> so anyway, um, at this meeting, Favor's inner mental monologue while they're flying over to the House of Wind, she's like, you know, we during the meeting, we had spent the time, you know, trying to figure out where to meet and who to bring along to the, ver- to the meeting with all the High Lords. And they did decide invitations are going out tomorrow. But they have yet to specify the meeting place because they know that everybody's going to argue because the neutral place that was under the mountain is no longer. So everyone's going to argue over where they consider neutral to be. Which, again, like, I get it. And, like, this is a world-building thing. And it's like, remember, the politics are high stakes. But also, like, in a time of actual politics being actual high stakes, like all around the world all the time. I'm a little like, I get it as jam. I could do without like the actual everyday, like bury my head in the sand politics nonsense. <laughs> like, exactly. can't we make it a little easier, please, for a fantasy novel? Like, can't we just believe that there's some perfect like little hotel in the middle that's like on neutral ground? <laughs> like, <laughs> Come on, give us a bone. Everything for under the mountain, really? Yeah, like really? I don't know, like throw us a bone, my dude. <laughs> okay, people. Hmm. Anyway, I feel that. Yeah, I'm totally there. So, yeah, it just feels um, too real. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? Um. So the only thing that she's able to say that was confirmed is the day and the time, and a two week cushion. For the bickering that they knew was going to happen. And uh, so they get back to the townhouse. And she gets to reunite with Nuala and Caridwen. Who are so happy to see her. And help her get dressed and get ready. 
And which I'm um, so glad that this is your chapter because there's a reason I call her call them ghosty girls, and it's because I never remember what their names are. <laughs> and it's mostly because I always want to call the one Nala, like from the Lion King. <laughs> and I know that that's not right, but I want I to. And I'm like, since I'm gonna fuck that up, I just go with ghosty girls. Well, Caradwin is a um, Celtic goddess name, so it's the only reason why oh, I remember it. It sticks in go. my brain. Yeah, my nerdy brain. Caught up on not Nala. <laughs> like Don't if it's Nala up to me, if it's up to me, I'm like not Nala and the other one. <laughs> Yeah, I couldn't tell you. I, I don't know where Nawala comes from, but I know Caradwin is a uh, Celtic. Gotcha, name. gotcha. Um, so anyway, Farrah says, and I, I kind of highlighted this, because Farrah says, I'd snapped at him in Amarin's apartment. He hadn't seemed angry, and yet I felt him carefully watching me these past few hours. I It had made it strange to look at him. Strange enough that the appetite that I'd been steadily building had gone a bit queasy. I challenged him before, but not as high lady and not with that tone. Uh, they didn't get to talk about it because they were too busy trying to get dressed really quickly. Right, and, right. of course, they had Nuala and Caradwin there. So, too many years that, honestly, I think is funny because, honestly, I don't I, I don't think Nuala and Caradwin would care. And it certainly isn't... My guess is they probably more than most people think they do anyway. I thought I thought the same thing. I thought, like, you know that these two people are like, you know, we've done a lot of... Like, you know the ghosty girls are like, there is nothing you can say that is weirder than the time that we were under the mountains and Reese was like, I'm gonna need you to take this little strip of fabric and go put it on that girl over there. Pretty much. Like, you know they were like, hmm, okie dokie then. Um, are you aware that she's a human? And he was like, yes, that's the point. And they were like, hmm, he has definitely lost it. Like, you know, like, I just feel like there is nothing they could say that the ghosty girls aren't like, we've dealt with weirder. <laughs> like, exactly. We have definitely done weirder. I mean, we did an entire, like, Princess Diaries makeover under the mountain. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, yeah. I don't know. I feel I just, that. Yeah, I just feel like they would not have cared. Also, I call them ghosty girls for a reason. I feel like they would have, like, very quickly disappeared if they thought the two of them needed a minute. I agree. I, I totally They'd agree. They'd like, that. melt into the walls. <laughs> <laughs> Fold towels in the bathroom. Something. <laughs> I suddenly hear more calling. Gotta go. Bye-bye. <laughs> yeah, really. They're funny. So back in the men in in the absolute present where she's flying with Cassian. Apparently Cassian is um trying really hard not to make editorial comments on her clothing choices for dinner. <laughs> yeah. And um she she finally snaps at him about it. But you know, she's wearing her Illyrian leather pants, a loose white shirt, and then a pair of embroidered slippers. And it was the slippers, the slippers that were causing Cassian to give her shit. Not not the shirt and the pants, the slippers. 
she's finally like, it's hot and those boots are stuffy. <laughs> right, right. But then like his reasoning is hysterical. She's like, I, he goes, I didn't say anything. And she's like, you grunted again. <laughs> like, hmm, tell us how you feel there, Cassian. <laughs> and he's like, I've been living with more for 500 years. I've learned the hard way not to question shoe choices. However stupid they may be. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, it's dinner? Unless there's some battle planned afterward? Cassian responds with, your sister will be there. I'd say that's battle aplenty. <laughs> and I'm just like, Jesus, my man. Like, I get it, but also, like, calm your tits. Seriously. But Feyre does kind of bring this to a less lighthearted question and with Reese flying nearby, but not close enough to hear the question, she asks Cassian, would you use her to see if she could somehow fix the wall? And Cassian looks at her and he tells her, yes, not only for our sakes, but she needs to get out of the house. She'll destroy herself if she stays cooped up in there. And she's like, you know, favorite favorite's thinking about how to respond to this. Cause it's hard for her. I mean, no matter how bitchy Nesta can be to her, she still loves her sister. It's her sister. Right. And she's like, the day she was changed, I felt something different with her. And I have feelings about what Cassian says. <laughs> Honestly, it's probably not the feelings that everyone is expecting me to have. So um, do you have the line? Because I want you to read it and then tell me your thoughts. Because I have thoughts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, but let me let me finish what Farah says about it to begin with, which is, it was like everything she was, that steel and fire, it became magnified, cataclysmic, like looking at a house cat and suddenly finding a panther standing there instead. I shook my head as if it would clear away the memory of the predator, the rage simmering in those blue-gray eyes. To which Cassian says, I will never forget those moments as long as I live. And Feyre asks him, have you seen any glimpse of it since? And he's like, nothing. But I can feel it sometimes. Usually when she's pissed at me. Which is most of the time. And I guess that's the moment where I'm like, I have feelings, Cassian. And it's like, I'm glad that, like, we all know you have reasons for giving we're not gonna pretend that you should be like like when he's like when she's pissed at me which is most of the time like if i were favorite i'd be like my man i haven't been gone that long like what the fuck did you do (laughs) exactly what are these interactions but like if you're pretending you're actually there and you're like actually a part of like this world you're like cassie what the fuck business could you possibly have with nesta right absolutely we're just all like this is fine this makes complete logical sense and it's like no my man it really doesn't though (laughs) i'm also a little bit weirded out by Feyre's sudden like vocabulary like expansion she was like (laughs) i suddenly know how to use the word cataclysmic in a sentence exactly (laughs) you've been reading the dictionary like were you killing time reading the dictionary in the spring court like what the fuck Maybe. I mean, God knows. She was bored as fuck. So I was just like, where did that come from? 
It is a new it is a new word choice for her, is it not? Yes. Yeah, it was a lot. It was a lot. I just yeah, I don't know. This feels like a really I don't know, it just feels like a really weird interaction to me because I feel like neither of them are saying things that the other one like we are acting like this conversation makes sense where it's like she says a thing and he says a thing and she says a thing and he says a thing. And we're acting like these things go together, but like if you really read them, they don't. <laughs> no. They make zero sense. <laughs> because she's like, yeah, yeah, I feel like my sister's got like a thing. And he's like, yeah, a thing. And she's like, have you seen a thing? And he's like, only when she's mad at me. And he's like, I don't see how that's the same cataclysmic thing. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, I don't really feel like we're all on the same page. <laughs> well, Cassie does explain why he thinks oh, Nesta's there. mad at him all the time. And he's like, I don't think Nesta will ever forgive me. For what happened in Highburn to her, but mostly to Elaine. And Farrah's like, wait a minute, your wings were shredded. You were barely alive. You were in no position to save anyone. And Cassie is like, I made her a promise. And when it mattered, I didn't keep it. I know. Makes me sad. And then, you know, they're flying and they're both thinking a little bit. And she's like, you know, in a way, it was like what Reese was doing for her under the mountain with Amarantha. So I think Farrah kind of gets it. And then she's finally like, why do you bother? And he's like, because I can't stay away. Which tells us so much about what is happening between Nesta and Cassian. I know. But then it's just like, okay... Like, mic drop, we finally said it, because I can't stay away. But then we just get a snowflake, and I'm like, <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, so we get a snowflake. Ta-da! So we get the snowflake, and the next thing you know, they're in the dining room. And Farrah acknowledges that, shocker of shocks, Elaine doesn't come to dinner, but shockingly enough, Nesta does. And, um... Poor Lucian. Nobody bothered to explain to Lucian about the whole dress code thing. I know, poor so baby. Poor, poor guy is like, the fuck? Yeah, because like it's a it's a complete clusterfuck. Right. Okay. Maybe, I don't know. This is like a really weird reference. And also, like, this clearly only applies to a very specific age group. But if you are out there and know what I'm talking about, then you are my people. Does anybody remember the fucking, what is it? The Mary Kate and Ashley, when they had some show, and I don't even know what the fucking show, like, there was no point to this show. The show was literally just them having parties, which doesn't make any damn sense. And one of the party themes was, like, one of those, like, come-as-you-are parties. And it was, like, you were supposed to, like, call people and invite them to your party. And whatever they were wearing in that moment is what they were supposed to wear to your party. But it didn't really make any goddamn sense. And I sort of feel like that's what happened here. Yeah. (laughs) Mary, Mary Kate actually called all these people and said I'm having a dinner party wear what you feel like wearing right this instant and that's how we got what we got yeah and now Lucian's like what kind of fucking stupid TV concept is this <laughs> <laughs> he's got something going on poor guy he, I mean, he's as confused by the concept as I am <laughs> but I love I love Favor's description again this goes back to the whole boy is she really like you know, she notices how everybody in the friggin' world looks, but yes! Tamlin. Thank you. I made, I highlighted it. I highlighted it in a different color. I was really hoping you'd bring yep. this up. 
Oh, it's a different color than mine too. So I think it's funny because I was like, as as she notes, he'd always had a casual grace about him. But here tonight with his hair tied back and the jacket buttoned to his neck, he truly looked like the part of a high lord's son. Handsome, powerful, a bit rakish, but well-mannered and elegant. <laughs> well, okay Which then. I do have highlighted, but then on, just above that, I also highlighted this very specific part where I was like, okay. <laughs> where she was like, blah, 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 green jacket, blah, blah, blah. His cream-colored pants showing off muscled thighs. What? <laughs> you do realize that your husband's like a 10. Plus, 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 plus. What the fuck do we care? <laughs> like, <laughs> Her husband's like a thousand on a scale of one to ten. <laughs> exactly. So I'm like, this is a weird thing we keep doing. It's like, I know my husband's the hottest guy on the whole planet. But Lucian's pretty good looking too. So he's, what, a 500? <laughs> and we won't even go to the whole Cassian and Azriel thing, because yeah. she's noticed them, too. Yeah. I, the mm, fuck? Yeah, I got mm-hmm. just, mm, yeah, something about the pheromones in that room have got to be wild. <laughs> Poor Lucian. Sometimes I hope that we find out is that Elaine has, like, actually been paying attention the whole time, and the reason she doesn't speak is because she's, like... <laughs> thinking what you and I have been saying for three books, which is the smell. The smells, the... Everybody is better looking than Tamlin, and... Uh, well, yeah, yeah. Like, I just, I really hope that Elaine is like, I haven't been able to speak for months because I've been gagging on the smells of all of the things. I've been gagging on the stench of stinky dead things. I've been gagging on the stench of, like, 4,000 different like scent profiles that you all keep describing and I'm definitely gagging on all the pheromones from you people because it's like a fucking orgy up in here. <laughs> you know? You may not be off the mark there at all. I hope when she finally speaks she's like, I'm sorry, I've just been nauseous for months. <laughs> well, Hopefully we'll find out sooner rather than later. Anyway, sorry. It's it's okay. You're allowed. So Feyre does, as soon as they land, make a beeline to Lucian because poor boy is basically being ignored by everybody. Yeah. Politely, but being ignored. Yes. And he does say to her, well, what is the dress code? And she's like, uh, whatever we feel like. Like told yeah, you, you could have been nice and told him that, really. And she's like, "So, would you do this afternoon?" And he's like, "Slept, washed, sat on my ass." <laughs> Gee, you had a great afternoon. Truly, I can relate though. Lucian is just one of these people who does not know what to do with free time. He's like, "Free time? Excuse me, you want me to what?" And I, I can relate. <laughs> yeah, no, I can totally relate to that too. Except I, I do have a free time killer these days, and it's called reading. True, we should have gotten him a I don't know if that's good or bad, but I do yeah. read. That's that's how I kill all my Definitely free time Definitely should have. Well, and that's why Nesta is our go-to woman. <laughs> yes. She is our book She she is our book club muse in that sense, she yes. She is, she is. It has to be a shirt somewhere, doesn't it? Nesta, what is it? What should it say? Should it say something like, Nesta is my book club spirit animal? 
Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean something. Yeah, I mean it's got to be. There's got to be a Nesta book shirt out there somewhere on the planet. If there is, somebody point me to it. Send me a link somewhere. Yeah, send anyway. us a link, okay? We would love that. <laughs> or if that you make really one, awesome. that'd be cool too. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> somebody you figure it, that you out. You want to sell it? You send us the info. We'll buy one. Yeah, exactly. So somebody, somebody get on that. <laughs> yep. But anyway, we should have given poor Lucian a book. He's bored to tears. Yes, poor guy. And she's like, he's fairy does take pity, and she's like, look, I can I can show you around Valaris tomorrow. And um he's like, you don't need to waste your time convincing me. I get it. I get I get that we were not what you wanted or needed. How small and isolated our home must have been for you once you saw this. Who could compare? And as Favor notes, she's like, don't you mean what? Could compare but she does hold her tongue and i think it's interesting because this this one comment from from lucian really says how hurt he is mm-hmm. that she found her home away from him <laughs> i know i know it is i'm sorry i know that we are now on episode five of this book and i just won't shut up about this but it's just so like it's so heavy-handed like this whole like how Lucian feels on some level about Feyre is almost as ridiculous as back in Akatar and early Akamath when I kept pointing out all the 4,000 times she was talking about how attractive Reese was it feels like that level of like hit you in the head yeah and it's just wild to me because it's like I I don't know. I, I, uh, I don't think this is a spoiler because you can't spoil something that doesn't exist. I don't know what the point of it is. I agree. Like I we are all the really way weird. through silver flames. I mean, I've, you know how I am with silver flames, but like we, we're, we're, we're two books beyond where we're at at this moment. Like you and I have finished this book. We have finished other books. Like we are beyond all this and we can definitively tell our audience, even if you haven't read beyond Chapter 19, the answer is that Lucian and Feyre, that doesn't go anywhere. That makes any it sense. Doesn't. <laughs> but it's there. It's like this underlying tension. Yeah. So and I don't know if that's going to come up later or if it's like we're all reading. I, I want to say we're reading into it. Like, I want to blame myself. I want to be like, this is a me problem. But like, these are the words on the page. I'm not making this shit up. <laughs> no. It's so weird. It really is. I'm with you. Um, I totally get yeah. it. Because it's like, what the hell? Yeah, I'm glad it's not just me. <laughs> no. And of course, that's the opportune or inopportune moment. Take your pick. <laughs> yeah. For when Nesta decides to enter the dining room in this beautiful blue dress <laughs> that kind of stops conversation. <laughs> and poor Cassian, his favorite notes, he looks like somebody hit him in the stomach. <laughs> oh, boy. But the only person Nesta was looking at was Farah. And poor Moore is like, where did the dress come from? Because Moore wants one because she's like, all right, wait a minute. She's like, I want one. She's trying to get everybody to kind of go shopping with her. And she's trying to kind of lighten the mood because Nesta showing up totally was like the biggest. It was like a big ice bucket to the head for everybody. Right, right. So you got to give more credit because Moore was just like, I see an open opportunity to put, I, I, somebody needs to put words here and I guess it's going to be me. 
Well, that and that, and she's also, I mean, she's good at kind of feeling that and kind of trying to turn the tone around. But the other thing that I loved about it that she did, I mean, she does like to go shopping. Let's face it. We all know that. And we all know she likes to buy pretty dresses and clothes and stuff. So I'm like, okay, whatever. So she's, she's doing this for two reasons. And of course, fair is like, yes, I'm going to have to go buy new clothes. I know I'm going to need clothes. Like at least she's smart enough to know that. Right. Right. And of course, Fair gets to respond with, I don't know, my mate must have dug it up from somewhere. And I love how she's like, yeah, you know, the Illyrians, pretending they weren't listening to every word as they poured wine amongst themselves. I'm like, okay. Yeah, I feel like this is one of those awkward situations where, like, Moore was like, I'm going to fill the space. I'm going to say words, and I'm going to hope that this, like, lightens the mood. And Nesta's, like, not fucking having it. And Feyre's trying to play along, and the dudes are just like, we're going to be dudes over here. And since we feel awkward, we're just going to really ignore you. And it's going to be really blatant, which is actually going to make this more awkward. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, exactly. I feel like Lucian is probably like, the fuck is wrong with these people? <laughs> Like, damn, she left us. She acted like we have. This is some dysfunctional shit here. Yeah. Um. So it's just funny, and of course, then Moore's response to Fair is Reese must have dug it up somewhere. Is he gets credit for all the clothes? Right. Right. I was like, snap. It gets so awkward though. This is like when it's like a little cringy, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, because he's like. He won't ever tell me where he finds them. He still won't tell me where he found Feyre's dress for Starfall. Bastard. Right. <laughs> and you're like, like oh, okay, this is getting intense for no good reason. All right. Back it down about 12 notches there. Uh, uh, sugar, you'll be fine, really. Right. And it, it's just funny. Apparently, with both Nesta and Moore standing next to each other like that, Cassian is like unable to. It's like the train wreck you can't look away from. Well, right, because Moore says the stupidest fucking thing. Well, I mean, I think she was trying to, like, joke around, but like I said, it just gets so cringe so fast because she's like, it does, it's a good, and of course <laughs> it's a good thing we're not the same size or else I might be tempted to steal that dress. Fucking Cassie. And then Cassie's like, well, luckily run off her, and it's like, oh, Jesus, here we go. I know. I know. And of yeah. course, then Nesta's response is, fortunately for you, I don't return the sentiment. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Which cracks Azrael up because he just, like, spits his wine back into his cup. Right. And Nesta just walks over to the table and takes a seat. Which, okay, let's let's be honest here. Can we already say dinner's awkward? <laughs> it hasn't right. even like, started. Like I said, Lucian's gotta be just standing there like, the fuck? It's, it's, this is, this is probably, I think, one of the most awkward dinners ever written uh yeah because if you thought that was like mildly uncomfortable which it is it gets worse when she talks to amarin it does though i like more solution is i think we're gonna need more wine to which cassian's like i'm gonna go read the collection (laughs) yeah i'm sorry but that's let's be real though he's not gonna go read the collection i mean he is but he's really going to blow off steam because more and nesta together is just too much probably for his Pants. I, I anyway. think he's gonna short. He's gonna short circuit. <laughs> is what's gonna happen. Like 
his, <laughs> his neurons are going to fire off to the point that he just short circuits somewhere exactly. in the corner. So, yeah, he needs to go breathe some fresh air. <laughs> She's, you know, Farrah does try to lighten it. And, of course, Nesta just doesn't take to it at all. Because no. Farrah's like, look, they mean well. And Nesta's just like, stone-faced bitch. Right. And then, of course, Amarin's response to Nesta is, you're a piece of work. And the only thing Nesta has to say, I mean, it goes from awkward to even more awkward, is why do your eyes glow? Like, oh, here we go. Buckle up, kids. Which I think the key here, though, is like the internal screaming that Feyre has because Feyre is like so embarrassed. Like she, her secondhand embarrassment is like horrendous. And it she's is. like it's screaming horrifying. internally. And she's like appalled because what Nesta just said, where she's like, why do your eyes glow? She's like, and no fear. None. none. Like, that's ahead. None. <laughs> of course, Amber's response is, you know, none of these busybodies have ever asked me that. Oh, shit. Yeah, which is what I think is so interesting, because I think Feyre kind of internally, even though she's, like, screaming, picked up on, like, actually, these two are kind of on the same level. Like, neither of them are afraid of anything. Anything. <laughs> like, they have no concept of like their words have consequences that is not a thing for these two women <laughs> but you know it's not even that it's like you can't it, this is kind of dinner where in a way you want to be a fly on the wall just because if nothing else to watch Amarin and Nesta go at it yeah like, for real for real like Cassie and Lon before the real show <laughs> and you know I do laugh because Amarin finally does she I love this Amarin sighed, her dark Bob Swain. They glow because it was the one part of me the containment spell could not quite get right. The one glimpse into what lurks beneath. And of course, Nesta, being Nesta, and what is beneath. <laughs> like, oh Jesus. Nobody else is speaking. Like, you could hear a pin drop. Remember, Amarin is the one that they told nightmare, they told bedtime stories to Lucian about that she was gonna mm -hmm. like eat him alive if he was bad. Like right. this is not somebody you ask these kinds of questions of. And of course, Amarin is like, they've never asked dared to ask me that either. And of course, what's Nesta's question? She sounds like a little like a little kid. Yeah. You're not there yet. I've been through this, and it's the the question yeah. all Why? toddlers love to ask. Why? 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 Yeah. And of course, it's because it is not polite to ask. They are afraid. Nesta doesn't flinch. Everybody else is like, can can the floor open up beneath us so we can fall through it? Like, yeah. Holy crap. This is awkward and uncomfortable. And it's so awkward that nobody's blinking. Nobody's flinching. Nobody's breathing. And Amaranth's finally like, you are the same. We are the same, you and I. Not in flesh, not in the thing that prowls beneath our skin and bones, but I see the kernel, girl. You did not fit. The mold that they shoved you into. The path that you were born upon and forced to walk. You tried, and yet you did not, could not fit. And then the path changed. I know. What it is to be that way, I remember it, long ago as it was. So that's interesting. 
And I love that there's like an awkward moment between all of them and Nesta's just like staring at Amran, but then like blinks and is just like, I don't know what you're talking about. Because clearly she does. Clearly she's like, hmm, I kind of like this Amran bitch, but I can't tell her that. That's right. And of course, Amran's only response to that is when you erupt, make sure it is felt across worlds. Not I love worlds that. more than one. I love that, and I hear it in my head so well because I can just picture Amber being like, "Damn, girl, like you are just wild." <laughs> so Reese finally steps into the breach and is like, "Ha ha ha!" Amber's been taking dramatic lessons at the theater down the street. You know, like you got to do something to change the mood here. Um, and he's like, "But you know." I'd like to eat something now. Steps his fingers right. and dinner finally appears. So everybody goes to find their their seats. And poor Lucian, the only seat that's left is the head of the table. <laughs> and he's like, um, uh, but, uh, well, but no, I, but no, you know, because he's just like, I, sh- I shouldn't, shouldn't you sit at the head looking at Reese? And Reese is like, I don't care. <laughs> just sit. Like, as you can tell, I don't care because I'm not sitting at the head of the table. I'm sitting where I want to sit. Right. And I think the key here is that you have to remember where Lucian comes from, which is like. Exactly. He's just so used to like pomp and circumstance. (laughs) Like, you know. I mean, it's, he's so used to the formality of the spring court and the protocol that, that, that is. Pity family. Well, yeah. And I mean, it's enforced. Yeah. It's so bizarre. Like, and this is all willy nilly. You know, this is kind of that whole, oh, look, it's lunchtime in the cafeteria. Everybody go find a seat. Right, right. Exactly. (laughs) This is more like sit down next to whoever the hell you're talking to at that moment. Exactly. And poor Pharaoh's like, you'll, you'll get used to it. You know, she's trying to make him feel better. You know, you will eventually get used to it. And Reese is like, well, you make it sound like this is a bad thing. And she's like, look, it took me by surprise the first time that we all had dinner. And Reese is just laughing, going, I know. And of course, Cassian's grinning like an idiot. And poor Azrael's doing his best to not let anyone know he's entertained by this fact, too. And this is the funniest part. So then, so then Feyre, really trying to lighten the mood, is like, well, honestly, you know, Azrael's the only polite one here. Funny. <laughs> She calls them all out. And of course, Moore and Cassian both get upset. And they're like, wait a minute. And Pharaoh's like, don't even try. Don't don't bother. You know, this is like that big family Thanksgiving dinners. So think of this as like that very informal Friendsgiving turkey day meal that you're having. I think is probably the best way to describe it, wouldn't you say? And she's like, you know... It, more and, and 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 is finally like, look, you don't have to make us sound like we're, you know, we're ill-mannered heathens or something. And and right, of course, Reese is like, I, I would have thought you'd be complimented by all this. And you know, it's just this whole this banter that's going on around the table, and everything gets kind of quiet as everybody's filling their plates of food. And Nesta finally turns around and looks at her sister, and this is you want to talk about like a non sequitur moment out of nowhere. Nesta's like, so I, I get what you meant about the food. Yeah. What? Here's the record scratch, right? Yeah. But if you remember, Akamath, at that 
first dinner that they had at the manor house together. Another awkward dinner. <laughs> Boy, was that an awkward dinner. Yeah. Um, first those. time Thera sees her sisters after she's been changed. Um, you know, they poor Thera was having a hard time eating the food. And because it was so tasteless compared to what she'd gotten used to eating. You know, Thera's just like, uh, uh, oh, it takes her a moment to catch up, figures it out. And then she's looking at us to like, is that a compliment? Yeah. Dead silence. You can hear a pin drop. So, of course, poor Fairy. She's like, all right, I got to keep dinner going. Because, you know, she's the hostess with the mostest here. Which is so funny to me. Because this is the last thing she wanted to do or be in the spring court. You know? And That's a really good point. <laughs> She looks at she looks at Cassie and she's like, "What time are we back in the training ring tomorrow?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, there's a way to kind of change the entire topic of the dinner table, right? Mm-hmm. And he's like, "I'm gonna let you sleep in. We'll meet at seven. And Farah's like, "Uh, that's like how my that's... baby lets me sleep in on the weekends." <laughs> Honey, that's how children let you sleep in. Time changes mean nothing to children and pets. I mean, yeah. Like, it yeah. Do- it doesn't or get Cassian. better. <laughs> or Cassian. And, you know, Farrah's like, ah, that's not sleeping in. And for more, more hysterical, more goes, for an Illyrian it is. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, you go. And he's like, you know, daylight's a precious resource. And more is like, we live in the night court. Night court. <laughs> Hello? Yeah. And they get into this whole pity pithy, not pity, pithy little tit-for-tat thing about letting women into the inner circle and Reese is like, dude, you were the one who wanted it, not me. <laughs> I like Amber's response. After hearing all of that, she goes, pig. <laughs> I'm, I, I kept waiting for somebody to, to say prick, but nobody did, you know? I know, and I know. I kind of missed that. Yeah, it's been a while. And it literally devolves into more and Cassie and sticking their tongues out at each other at the middle of the dinner table. I mean, poor Lucian has just got to be doing a serious what the ever-living fuck is going on. Yeah, he's really, like, on the struggle bus at this point. I, I even, even Nesta, in some ways, has just got to be like, what the hell? Because this is her first dinner with all of them. Yeah, I feel like Nesta came down and was, like, really sure she knew what she was getting into. And she came down, like, with her confidence and her bitchiness and, you know, her pretty dress and whatever. And now she's sitting here and she's like, yeah, I expected a lot of things. And honest to God, this wasn't it. Yeah. She's probably as out of place and in left field as, 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 uh. Lucian is. Yeah. Poor Lucian. And I just kind of laughed. And of course, Amarin, Amarin's response to all of this, because I'm laughing through this whole thing, because how many of us have sat through awkward dinners like this? I know I have. I'm sure we all have. And Amarin's like, you'd be wise to leave both of them at home for the meeting with the others, Reese. They're going to cause nothing but trouble. And Lucian's like, the hell? Like, interest perks up, the antenna kind of go, you know, the whole, hi. Yeah, he's like, remember, uh, he's more used, info, please. Yeah, he's used to being in the, the thick of it. And Reese is like, look, you're going to find out. So 
You know, because he's like, it remains to be seen who's joining us. If it's them or, you know, basically anyone else at this point. And he makes it very clear they have not ironed that out. And he finally looks at, at Lucian, who's just like, the hell are you talking about? To which Lu- Reese's response is, directly to Lucian, is, you'll find out soon enough, I suppose. Invitations are going out tomorrow, calling all the High Lords together to discuss this war. And, of course, Lucian's hands are tightening, and he's like, uh, all? And, of course, Pharaoh's like, does he mean Tamlin? Does he mean his dad? Both? You know, it's a fair thought. And, of course, Lucian Lucian is so funny because he goes, can I offer my unsolicited advice? Which is kind of like a first. Yeah, yeah. Because even Reese acknowledges that this is the first time anyone, especially at this table, has ever offered. (laughs) Who's ever asked that? Right, right. They're like, you mean you're not just going to (laughs) blur? Yeah. And he's like, you know, but by all means, please, you know, advise away. Which I think is hysterical. And Lucian studies Feyre, and then he studies he studies Resand, and he's like, I assume Feyre is going, and Feyre responds with, I am. And Amber just sips her glass of blood, and looks very calmly at Reese and says, are you planning to hide her powers? Mic drop. <laughs> like, yeah. Boom. And Reese is like, well, that's something I was, I was going to discuss. What are you leaning towards, <laughs> Lucian? And Lucian is studying Feyre, and he goes, his response is, my father would likely join with Highburn if he thought he stood a chance of getting his power back that way by killing you. Which is, I, I just have to throw out there again, like I said, I know we are just like on top of this Lucian thing all the time, but it's fascinating to me because Lucian is really like, he, the, you know, like, I don't know, this isn't a guy who's like playing his cards particularly strategically. I mean, he is, but he's really just showing his hand because he's like, mm-hmm. look, this is what it is. Like, you guys are talking about doing this crazy thing. You got, you want to get all these high lords in one room. And my only thought at this moment is this sounds to me like a really good way to get Feyre dead. Yeah. And that's just fascinating to me because, like, on one hand, it's like, why should he care? Honestly, you know what I mean? Like, or even if he does care, it's surprising that his brain automatically goes to that. And it just proves, like, how much, like, we did not give him credit for the last two books for wanting to keep Feyre alive, essentially. You know what I mean? No, I agree. I mean, he's definitely... I don't think he wants anything really bad to happen to her. As angry as he is at her with with her right now. Um, I don't think he really wants anything horrible and bad to happen to her, you know? So I think going back to all the issues and the problems that he had with Tam about, you know, remember last book, he was trying to say, we need to train her. Um, And Tamlin's like, nobody needs to know. We're going to keep it, you know, between us. And of course, in the night court, it's not a big deal. Everybody and their brother knows in the inner circle. Right, right. But I mean, I guess I just find it interesting that like, given the situation, given the you know, lack of stance that Lucian really has in this situation. Like, he really has no leg to stand on. He really has no room to give advice or, you know, have his two cents or whatever. And he still is like, can I give you (laughs) my unsolicited opinion? You know what I mean? Yeah, And it's like, and his opinion is we have to keep Feyre safe. And I think that's like, I don't know. I just think that's kind of adorable. Like, I love him. (laughs) Well, I think you know, and I do too. And I think what it does is in a way 
for as snarky and bitchy as Azrael, Cassian, and Reese are towards him, I think in a small way it engenders him towards, you know, yes. towards them. Thousand percent. Um, because if his focus is on keeping Feyre safe, then in their minds they have to know that this isn't that's a, he's not a bad dude. Well, not only that, but it just, it keeps in mind that, like, they all kind of want the same thing. Exactly. They all don't want to see this, they, they all agree they don't want to see Perthian fall to Highburn. They all agree they don't want to see Feyre get hurt. Right. Um, and of course then Feyre's like, but your brother saw me. You know, the fire we can, we can say is you, but they saw me on the ice with the ice, you know, and of course... Lucian looks at Azrael and says, that's the information you need to find out what my father knows. If my brothers realized what she was doing, you need to start from there and build your plan for this meeting accordingly. Of course, Moore jumps in and says, well, Eris might keep that information to himself and convince the others to as well, if he thinks it'll be more useful that way. And of course, Farrah does have this weird moment of, I wonder if she looks at Lucian and she sees Eris. Um, because of the red hair in the autumn court and the whole bit, which I, I can kind of get. And Lucian very evenly says, perhaps, but we need to find that out. If Baron or Eris has that information, they will use it to their advantage in that meeting to control it or control you. Or they might not show up at, show up at all and instead go right to Highburn. Now, I think it's interesting that he's talking about his dad and his brother that way, right? He's not talking about Tamlin, who's yeah. already in bed with Highburn. Uh, yeah, I hate to say it. I think it's because, in a way, uh, Tamlin's more or less a lost cause. I agree. I just find it interesting. I find it interesting. You know what I mean? Of course, this surprises Cassian, because apparently Cassian's like, the hell? He didn't even think about that. And Reese's being very thoughtful, and he looks at Lucian and he goes, you and Azrael should talk tomorrow. And of course, Lucian, being the smart man that he is, is like, I'm at your disposal, so let me know, and we can talk. I'll fill you in on my family. <laughs> I just, I thought that was interesting. You know, I mean, they, 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 you know, they get through this, then all of a sudden, everybody starts to go back to normal to eating, and Reese has the mic drop at the end of this chapter, which is, there's another meeting that needs to be had, and soon. And that's literally the end of the chapter. But yeah. it's such a mic drop because you're like, oh, shit. Yeah, because you know where that's going. Yeah, this is not going to end well. And so that's the end of chapter 17. And chapter 18 literally picks up. We're still at dinner. Remember, 17 and 18 are one long, very awkward, uncomfortable dinner. Yeah. And, of course, Cassie's like, please say we don't have to go to the Court of Nightmares. And, of course, where do they have to go? The Court of Nightmares. And of course, Farrah's like, I'm not Farrah, Nesta's like, what's that? <laughs> and of course, Lucian jumps in, and I love how he jumps in on this. He goes, the place where the rest of the world believes the majority of the night court to be. He jerks his head at Reese, the seat of his power, or it was. Oh, it still is, Reese said, to yeah. everyone outside of Valaris. Yeah. This whole section makes, honest to God, minimal sense. So carry on. It does. Because then he has to justify that they're going because they need to talk to Moore's father, Kier, because he has his own legion of fighters. 
and apparently they're well enough trained and strong enough that a meeting is warranted because we find out that when Reese's ancestor who created Valaris to get away from the Court of Nightmares um, when he created it and he made the deal with the people who stayed in the Court of Nightmares uh, to keep them there and to keep them so they could do whatever they want. He basically said, I will give you self-governance, basically, not entirely, but basically. That includes you have your own little army, so to speak, and you will have the right of refusal for um, sending your army to war. And I have to ask you if I need them to come help. And you do have the right to refuse. And of course, Nesta's like, so has it ever been refused? And Moore's like, twice. Not by my father. Uh, she's like, two wars long ago. They chose not to fight. We won, but barely and at great cost. And Fair realizes that with this upcoming war, they're going to need every single body that they mm -hmm. can. And Reese is like, all right, two days. We have two days. We're going to the Court of Nightmares. Like, Moore's arguing about what her dad's going to say. Everybody's like, what? And of course, Reese is like, maybe we'll be lucky. And of course, Reese is like, there will be new rules. And Moore's response is, you will not be in a position to make rules, and you know it. The whole interaction is super awkward. It like, is. I, I feel like Nesta honestly calls this kind of for the bullshit that it is. She's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. You mean to tell me that you are the fucking High Lord and you cannot just, like, demand that they do X, Y, Z? And he's like, no, because of some bullshit politics from back in the heyday. And I just feel right. like you and I, again, like if we're going to go down like these political rabbit holes of these imaginary places, then I feel like they have to somewhat abide by what we know about politics in the real world, which is people change their goddamn minds. All the time. So I feel like, I hate to say it, but I feel like if Reese wanted to be like, no, fuck you, I'm taking power back, he could. He just mm -hmm. doesn't. Which is just, I, I like, I feel like Nesta is as confused about that as we are. And then on top of it, now you got Moore who's like, well, we can't trust the, what are we, what are these people? The Darkbringer army or whatever? Yep, the Darkbringers. Like, we can't Darkbringer trust the Darkbringers because they were as much trouble as they were worth, basically, in the war last time. And it's like, I get it, bitch, but we need bodies. Unless yep. I check... Like, last I checked, Valaris doesn't have a standing army. We just have the Illyrians. I don't think we're going to beat all of Highburn with, like, six Illyrians and, like, two dudes from Valaris. Like, I don't think, like, six Illyrians and the lady from Valaris with the pipe from Akamath is going to do it. <laughs> you know? Like, I just don't. <laughs> No, I, you and know, so and like, I, I don't totally see agree. why she's surprised by this. Like we have I essentially know. outside of the Illyrians, we have one standing army and it is from your father. Why would he not request their presence? Exactly. So I don't know. I just feel like everything about this is weird. I feel like the politics are weird. I feel like Moore's reaction is weird. I just, it's all weird. I find, I find her reaction to be very off. Yeah. It just, it's off. It's, it again, it's really sense. off for someone who supposedly reaches third in command. 
I agree. How does she not see this? And of course, you know, she's trying to get, she she wants Asriel's opinion. As is like, uh, uh, it's not my call. He's like, and of not course, my lord, my dog. <laughs> like, <laughs> not my job. It's above my pay grade. I, yeah, not my, not my circus, not my monkeys. <laughs> and of course, Moore's answer to that is bullshit. But it's like, Moore, you won't rank him. He have an opinion. <laughs> You're going to ask anyone. You pretty much only get to ask Amran. Yeah. Because she's the I second. So she's between Moore and Reese. So, like, theoretically, Amran could swing this whole thing away from Reese's thought process if she wanted to. But it's because Moore knows that Amran's not going to. It's because Moore knows Amran's probably agreeing with Reese. Uh, yeah, exactly. And That's what it, this is really And, of course, I, I, you know... I think it's funny because Reese is like, well, you don't have to come. And Moore's like, of course I'm coming. Now I have two days to find a dress suitable. I love this. I now have two days to find a dress suitable to horrify my father. <laughs> I know. I thought that was really funny. Well, there's a way to lighten the mood. And so to break all the crazy silence and the awkwardness of what has just been an awkward dinner from day one, you know, moment one of sitting down at the table, uh, Feyre turns to Cassian and says, I'll meet you in the ring at 8. And of course, he's like, 7.30. And she's like, 8. And then she looks at her sister and goes, want to join? <laughs> and and like, she's just nope. like, no. <laughs> One word, no. So, of course, just to deal with the total awkwardness, she reaches for some wine to pour herself wine, and she goes, I want to learn to fly. And I just picture once again Asriel spitting his wine out for like the third time. Asriel has dinner for Asriel. Yeah, Asriel's over it. He's like, I am not drinking any more wine. I'm tired of stuff coming out my nose. I'm over it. <laughs> well, Moore's the one who actually spits the wine all over Asriel, and apparently he's too busy, like just gobsmacked, staring at Farrah yeah. to notice that that Moore just spit wine all over. Him. Yeah. Yeah, the exact words are more spewed her wine across the table, splattering it right across Avril's chest and neck. Can you just imagine? And I don't even have to imagine because my baby spits up down my shirt all the time. But can you imagine <laughs> somebody spewing across the table at you and it is dripping down your neck, like into your like <laughs> chest cleavage? And yeah. he's, you're just like, I don't even care because what? <laughs> Did I just what? Yeah. And you know, Cassian's like, huh? Even Reese's like, nobody has a response. And, 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 and Moore's, you know, Favor looks at the three Illyrians and she's like, I want you to teach me. Moore's like, really? And of course, I love Lucian's response. He jumps in and he goes, well, that explains wings. <laughs> right. He's like, oh, okay, I'm getting this. And of course, Nesta's like, wait, what wings? <laughs> Which is a fair point because, okay, I have to be honest. I feel like what, okay, yeah. I feel like what happens, at least I don't know if anybody else has this problem, but I do. Because I am aware of the fact that Reese can make his go away. I mm -hmm. sort of tend to forget that As and Cass have theirs out all the time. Exactly. And I feel like that is what happened, is Lucian's kind of like, oh, well, I sort of thought it earlier, like, these two dudes fucking have wings, I'm not blind, you know what I mean? But, like, when she says, I want to learn to fly, I feel like that's when Lucian's finally like, oh, 
you shapeshifted the wings because you, with your eyeballs, had seen these wings. I'm getting it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I think he's thinking, like, that was a random thing to shapeshift into. You know what I mean? But now he's like, oh, not random at all. That's kind of the point. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. But it's just funny because, then, of course, I like Nesta what wings? (laughs) Like, huh? Right, and I really want to be like, Nesta, do you not see the two winged dudes at the table? Are you not getting this? No. And of course, Farrah has to answer, and she's like, I can shapeshift. It's like, that wasn't implied? Like, how did you not get this, Nesta? And with the oncoming conflict, knowing how to fly might be useful. So I give Farrah credit. She did give this some thought. I do find it ironic that she's come full circle with this finally because remember the first time Reese went to go fly with her and she was like, oh, fuck no. Yeah, which is where I would still be if I was fair. I'd be like, so, I mean, like, I know me. Every time I have to get on a flight, I'm like, so do I need pills or will there be booze on this flight? So (laughs) if... If I was constantly getting yanked into the air by an Illyrian, I'd be like, cool. So am I supposed to take drugs now or will there be booze involved? Like, is there (laughs) in-flight liquor? Like, do you have a mini bottle in your pocket, Cassian? (laughs) Can I has? (laughs) I can has cheeseburger. (laughs) Yeah, I can has. Like, yeah, I, mm -hmm. yeah, I can has is pretty much where we'd be at because I Pretty much. Because I do not do ice. But anyway. And of course, Fair is smart and she's looking at, at Cassian and she's like, you know, I assume that these are going to be, you know, these battles will include the Illyrians. And she's like, I plan to fight with you in the skies. There's no objections. But Cassian, Cassian is just like, whoa. Um, I don't know if it's technically even possible time-wise. You'd have to not only learn how to fly, but how to bear the weight of your shield and weapons and how to work within an Illyrian unit. And he's like, you know, it takes us decades to master that last part alone. We have months at best, weeks at worst. And Pharaoh's like, shit, you know? And of course, Reese is like, we're going to teach her what we know until then. I'll give her any shot at an advantage at getting away if things go to shit, even if a day of training might make a difference. And of course, Azrael's the one who steps up and says, I'll teach you. I feel like that whole exchange is like really something because like, if you think about what Tamlin would have said, Tamlin would have been like, there's no way in hell we're doing this. So I think Reese's response is like a direct opposite of what Tamlin would have done, which is interesting. And then I also think that what Reese is saying is truly like, if you think about it, actually really sad, which is he is clearly constantly thinking about how this all like shit could hit the fan at any time in all of this. Exactly. And he is truly thinking that the difference could be even a single day of training. And that's just like, I don't know. To me, I feel like this gets glossed over a little because it goes right into As being like, well, I'll do it, you know, which is its own interesting right. thing. But I just feel like sad for Reese, who's like definitely contemplating that like it truly could come down to this. I know. It's so sad. I find it interesting also that Lucian, other than his comment about, well, that explains the wings, is has nothing to contribute to this. No. He's like, I don't know, guys. This one's not my wheelhouse. 
But, you know, I, I would love to be able to see his response, to like his facial response to this. Because it doesn't come up in the description. And I always wanted to know, like, I want to be the fly on the wall to see how he responds to it. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I was like, what's Lucian saying? And, you know, Az is like, look, you know, I'll do it. And, of course, Cassian and Reese are like, oh, we've taught tons of younglings how to fly. And Az is like, yeah, but it's different because you all learned and they learn at an earlier age. I didn't learn to fly until I was much older. And it's different. And I, I like how Az just kind of steps in and he's like, you know, it's it's just not the same. When you're older, there are fears, there are mental blocks. It's just a whole different ball game. And so he looks at Farah and he's like, train with Cass for in the morning for a little bit, you know, for a couple hours, and then I'll come and get you and we'll train. And then he looks to Lucian and says, after lunch, we will meet. And of course, dinner's about to go to Helen Handbasket, because now that Farah got her way with the flying lesson, she turns to her sister and says, the King of Highburn is trying to bring down the wall by using the cauldron to expand the holes already in it. I might be able to patch up those holes, but you, being made of the cauldron itself, if the cauldron can widen those holes, perhaps you can close them too, with training in whatever time we have. And Amarin, being the smart cookie, she is, jumps right in and says, I can show you, or in theory I can, if we start soon, tomorrow morning. When you go to the Court of Nightmares, we will go with you, meaning her and Nesta. And of course, Amron's like, the, the Hewn City is a turf of objects of power. There may be opportunities to practice. Let her get a feel for what something like the wall or the cauldron might be like, covertly. And of course, Nesta being Nesta has one question, which is, why not just kill the King of Hybern before he can act? And I like Amron's response. If you want this killing blow, it's yours. <laughs> right? You tell her, Amron. And then, of course, Nesta's like, what happened to those human queens? And, you know, people are like, what do you mean? Pharaoh's like, what do you mean? And and as and she looks at Azrael and she goes, were they made immortal? And Azrael is like, reports have been murky and inconsistent. Some say yes, others say no. And, of course, everybody's trying to figure out why Nesta wants to know. And she turns around and she looks at Feyre and then everybody else at the table. And she says, by the end of this war, I want them dead. The king, the queens, all of them. Promise me you'll kill them all and I'll help you patch up the wall. And I'll train with her, meaning Amran. I'll go to the Hewn City or whatever it is. I'll do it, but only if you promise me that. Fine. And then Feyre sticks her foot in her mouth. And we might need your assistance during the meeting with the High Lords to provide testimony to the other High Lords of what Highburn is capable of. And Nesta's response to this is no. And not just no, but no. Hell no. She isn't doing it. She doesn't give a shit. Who's asking? And she's like, no. And she's like, you know, as, as she tells them, it's not my problem if you're unreliable. I'll help you with the wall, but I am not going to whore my story around to everyone on your behalf. At which point she gets up and leaves the dinner table. More puts the bottle of wine in front of that in front of Aaron and says, It's okay if you drink directly from it. I know. <laughs> I, don't give a snowflake. Which I think has just 
like so accurate like the only thing that could be said in that moment yes and then we get a snowflake and after the the snowflake we we start in the new section and and Reese and Feyre apparently are walking through Valaris together just the two of them and I like how Reese says it starts out with this he goes, I'd say Nesta rivals Amran for sheer bloodthirstiness. The only dis- difference is that Amran actually drinks it. Right? Like, what the hell? <laughs> I mean, like, there is a lie, but still. But part of me also wants to go, so if we offered Nesta a chalice of blood, would she? <laughs> I know, I know. I thought the same thing. But they're walking, and, and things get really quietly, and, and um, it it finally gets, you know, a little awkward. And they finally bring up the eight hundred pound gorilla in the corner that that had been sitting there since the uh, argument in Amron's apartment. And she looks at Reese and she's like, "How do you find the balance between High Lord and family?" And Reese is considering it, and he goes. It isn't easy. I've made plenty of bad calls over the centuries, so I hate to tell you that tonight might only be the start of it. And Pharaoh's response is, I should have considered that telling strangers what happened to her in Highburn might might not be something she was comfortable with. My sister has been a private person her entire life, even amongst us. Yeah. Which so is then re- interesting, because I don't feel like, I feel like you and I have talked about that being a thing for Nesta, but I don't think that Feyre had said it in so many words. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. now she has just like laid it on the table a little bit more, like who her sister is. Well, I think it helps because it helps us understand who she is and what's going on. And then Reese brings up what happened at the loft, and Feyre apologizes for snapping at him, and he's like wait, but I insulted your sister. Why are you apologizing? And they have this whole discussion about undermining each other in public in front of others and presenting a united front and this, that, and the other. And he goes, look, we make whatever we rules we want. You have every right to question me, push me, both in private and in public. Of course, if you decide to truly kick my ass, I might request that it's done behind closed doors so that I don't have to suffer the centuries of teasing. But, and and kind of was hanging in favor. was like, look, I'm not going to undermine you in public. We need to present a a united front. Ugh, which is so kind of like disturbing because that's what Tamlin kept saying in the Supreme Court. Right. I know. That's a little cringe. Yeah, total cringe. And Feyre's like, look, we can question each other through the bond if we're around people other than our friends. But for now, for these initial years, I'd like to show the world a unified front if we survive. And of course, Reese is like, look, we will survive. I want you to feel comfortable pushing me and calling me out. And, you know, it's like, deal... And then he goes, but amongst our family, call me on my bullshit all you want. I insist, actually. You're just cute. And, he's, and, you know, it's the whole why. And he's teasing her because it's fun. 
And then he, he gets serious and says, because you're my equal. And as much as that means having each other's backs in public, it also means that we grant each other the gift of honesty and of truth. And of course, Favorite takes this to give Reese a warning about how to handle more and this upcoming meeting in the Court of Nightmares because it could affect his relationship with more. And then Farah asks the $50,000 question, which is, so when we go, what role am I supposed to play? Because the last time I was there, I played your plaything, Right. And I'm high lady now. And he gives her an interesting choice. And I, again, we always talk about, it with, with Reese, it comes back to choices, especially with Feyre. But it really does come back to choices for him with pretty much everybody. Whether they see it that way or not, he really does let them make the choice. And he's he's like, that's your decision. Uh, you've seen how I am there, how we are. It is for you to decide how to play into that. And she's like, she does respond, and I find this interesting because it's an interesting whole circle that they get to from from the Court of Nightmares to the High Lords meeting. And she's like, I guess I, I should decide soon, not just for this, but the meeting with the other High Lords. And he does look at her and say, every court is invited. And of course, Faber's response is, look, I doubt he'll come, given that he's Highburn's ally, ally and knows that we would kill him. Right. She's like, he may be kind of stupid, but I don't think he's that stupid. Right. And they're trying to figure out who their allies are going to be because of the blood rubies and now the bad blood between Autumn and the bad blood with Summer and Spring. And then Favre's like, look, take me to some libraries and I can help, you know, do research for Amarin. And she's she's asking him, well, why did you let Lucian hear everything? And he's, I like his response. He goes, none of it is information that would let Hybern wreck us. The king likely already knows that we'll go for Kier's alliance, that we'll try to find a way to stop him from bringing down the wall. He wasn't subtle with Dagden and Branna's searching. And he'll expect us to try to band the High Lords together, which is why the meeting location will not be decided until later. Will I tell Lucian then? Bring him along? I don't know. But, you know, Feyre does come to Lucian's defense and she's like, you know, he's not a bad, he's not a bad person. He's not evil. Which is what we've been saying. But she does say there is risk in trusting him without question, though. Well, I mean, I feel like there's inherent risk in trusting anybody with anything. True. Absolutely. And I, I just find it interesting. You know, they talk about this and, you know, they go back to this whole happiness and fighting and you know the the whole roles that they have to play it's this whole conversation you guys and if you want to read it feel free I, i think i think the the important stuff has been said which is you know sorting out what happened between the two of them and the the loft right and how they all how they all did that and just you know kind of filling in the rest of these conversations because this is probably the first real conversation they've had since she got back right because let's face it the first amount of time that they had was um, some smutty smutness with some more smutty smutness and some extra smutty smutness and so they take a walk through the rest of the city as they go walking and they you know Reese and Farah both are are talking and you know he has said you know I will do everything I can to keep Prithian safe to keep all of us safe. 
and then she looks at him as they're walking through they're they're headed to the rainbow and she looks at him and she's like you in this city help wake me up help bring me back to life i will fight with everything i have to reese everything and that's basically the end of chapter Eight, I know. Yeah, it's really cute because, like, yeah, towards the end of their walk, it's just, yeah, basically the two of them discuss the fact that, like, they're going to have to make some shitty decisions. They're going to have to do some shitty things, you know? Yeah. Like, the, it, that just is, here. like yeah, that's what war is. They're going to have to go deal with Kier and his people, and they're going to have to play parts. They're going to have to go you know, nose to nose with the stupid High Lord meeting and it's going to get ugly. And then there's going to be a war and war is always ugly. And so at the end of it, they basically agree that like, they're both going to like wholeheartedly like try to win this thing because they both want to have a future and they want to believe that there's a happy ending to be had. Absolutely. And I think that's really sweet, but it's also, yeah, like really like, I don't know, like a lot, (laughs) just a lot. It is. It's a lot to unpack, you know? I mean, you're just kind of like, oh my god. Like, this is some serious shit. (laughs) Yeah. This is some really crazy shit. But that's where we are. Chapter 19, friends. It's all you. Yeah, so we have our little lovely discussion, and uh, yeah, next morning now, we're at chapter 19 is the next morning, and Feyre is gonna meet uh, Cassian, and thank god they chose eight. Uh, because, well, she and Reese were busy this morning. Busy! They were busy! Uh, to which Cassie like and Reese... busy. Yeah, pretty much. Because Cassie and Reese Pharaoh with a remark, hoping that, you know, she didn't exhaust herself too much this morning. Hardy ha <laughs> uh, To which she replied, you know, because now they're about to start training. Two Illyrian males making me sweat in one morning. What's a female to do? (laughs) And Cassian just laughs at her and is like, well, at least you showed up with some spirit. (laughs) And anyway, so then she looks over the weapons rack and she asks, you know, like, which one? Like, what what are we going to start with? Which definitely have, like, some, like, Buffy, Giles, like, slayer practice vibes to it for me but okay glad it's not just me and Cassian points out that like since they haven't recently trained they're going to review hand to hand and just like start from there and this is like a weirdly annoying tidbit and I brought this up earlier so he brings up in this conversation that she hasn't trained recently and she's like oh yeah like it's been a month and a half so six weeks guys like I don't know. It's weird to me because like Feyre insists like, oh, like it's only been six weeks. That isn't that long. And then like, while I understand Cassian's point, which is that like, okay, friends, it's like not a great idea to like take six weeks off and eat a bunch of donuts and then try to go back to the gym and act like nothing like changed and just dive right in. Like I get it. But like, I'm just really hung up on apparently all this shit that we've been talking about. All of the spring court shit, all of it has only been six weeks. (laughs) <laughs> makes you wonder doesn't it well yeah because we know that we were traipsing through autumn for like a week yeah so like let's talk about this like so, five, so wait so five weeks in spring and one week in autumn apparently and like we have to think about this because the last few days she was in spring was like the whole like let's inspect the holes in the wall shit 
And right. like right before that is like when we get into it, like with Tam and all the explody explodiness and, and the weird shit with the guards and all of that. And like, then before that, it's like the first time we go out to the wall with just Lucian and the whole, you know, we're going to set the boggy out for fucking, you know, the twins and all of that. And I guess the point I'm just trying to make is like, if you start to try to backtrack, you realize that like she was like trying to act real quick, like her yeah. time from showing up in the spring court to like the five weeks, like she had to convince Tamlin she was who she was so quick. And I just think it's weird because I keep thinking back to when Lucian was like, so you guys, like, haven't done it? No, they haven't done it. She's got PTSD and she's been here like a month, yo. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know. fall right back into bed with him. Right. Like, I don't know. I just feel like it's like a weird thing. I feel like, I feel like we expect it to be so much longer because of the way we're acting. Like Feyre had like this big convoluted plan and she was like playing the long game and like trying to get X, Y, and Z, like her ducks in the row and blah, blah, blah. And I just feel like that was all kind of bullshit because it was only six weeks. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, but some know. plans, it doesn't take that long. I mean, I guess. I don't know. I just feel like, I just also feel like, and maybe it's just because, like, of how I interpreted it in my head, but I feel like there was, like, a big deal made about how, like, and then Reese and I haven't talked down the bond for a long time. Okay, how long could it possibly have been? Because we know of at least, like, four fucking conversations you had, and you were only gone six weeks. <laughs> so, I don't know. I just feel like it was made out to be much longer, and now we find out it was only six weeks, and I'm like, what? Yeah, though, you and I both have been in that situation where six weeks can feel like six years, so. I mean, I guess that's true, but I don't know. I just think it seems kind of wild. But anyways, Feyre and Cassie and begin their hand-to-hand combat training, and Feyre notices that Cassie is, like, kind of grumping around. So she asks him, you know, what's wrong, and he says nothing, and she pushes him, asking, you know, is it Nesta? And that, like, just kind of pisses him off more, so she's like, well, you're angry, and this is awkward. Um, and it turns into a whole thing. I feel like that's what Cassian does. He, like, waits until we're, like, really, like, knee-deep into this training and, like, sweating and busy and our eyeballs are, like, doing other things for him to finally be, like, I guess I can have a conversation with you now because we don't have eye contact. Because <laughs> I'm mad at you. Right, and he's like, you and Reese hid the truth from us, and we went into Highburn blind about it. So, yeah, like, here we go. Feyre asks, like, about what? Like, what are you talking about? And he's like, that you're High Lady. And Feyre clearly doesn't see, like, what this has to do with anything. So, Cass, like, tries to explain it. And he's, and he's like, she's like, what difference would that have made? And he's like, it would have changed everything. None of it would have gone down like that. And she's like, well, you know... That's kind of why we kept it a secret, because we didn't. But he does call it a disaster. And she's like, okay, like what? She just kind of stops and stares at him. And he's like, you knew, like, she's like, okay. So they, like, they're, she stops and she says, you knew I was his mate when we went. I don't see how being high lady alters anything. And he just insists that it does. Cassian dragged a hand through his hair because... Because as his mate, you were still his to protect. Oh, don't get that look. He's yours to protect too. I would have laid my life down for you as his mate and as your friend. But you were still 
his. And she's like, and as high lady? And he says, as high lady, you are mine. And Azriel's and Moore's and Amran's, you belong to all belong to all of us, and we belong to you. We would not have put you in so much danger. And she's like, well, newsflash, maybe that's why we didn't fucking tell you, right? And he's like, this is between you and me. And trust me, Reese and I had words about this. And this is when she's like, oh, like, you're actually mad at me. And then he tries to explain because like, no, he's not really mad. Like, essentially, he's frustrated because she didn't see herself as like a valuable part of the group. Like for her to be like, oh, I'm going to like sacrifice myself and I'm going to get separated from you guys and I'm going to go do this spring court thing. Like he can tell that she didn't see herself as a valuable part of the group. She thought that that was like a fine, okay decision. And she gets all like on the defensive. She's like, well, if Reese isn't grilling me with the overprotective bullshit, then I don't get to see like where you get off. And he just cuts her off telling her that basically she doesn't have half a clue what Reese was like when she... And, like, he may not have said it out loud, but, like, apparently, like, Reese was just, like, fucking falling apart, completely panicked all day, every day. And Favorite kind of realizes, finally, that Cassian wasn't just mad at her. He and, likely, the others of the inner circle were, like, actually mad at Reese, too. (laughs) Yeah, as they should be. Right, right. And so the exchange kind of goes down, and it's, we were all terrified for you and managed just fine. Of course you did. We knew you would. But, Cassian crossed his arms, Reese pulled the same shit 50 years ago when we went to that damn party Amarantha threw. And, like, all of a sudden, Faye was like, oh. Whoops. This is kind of raw nerves for these guys. Like, you can't do that to them. Yeah. And he says, I'll never forget it, you know? The moment when he spoke to all of us, mind to mind, when I realized what was happening and that he'd saved us, trapped us here and tied our hands, but it went quiet in my head in a way that it hadn't been before. Not since. Even with utter hell unleashing here across our territory, I, it just, I just went quiet. He tapped the side of his head with a finger and frowned. After Highburn, the healer kept me asleep while she worked on my wings, so that when I woke up two weeks later, that's when I heard. And more, and when more told me what happened to you, it went quiet again. I swallowed again against the constriction in my foot. You found me when I needed you most, Cassian. And he just kind of smiles, pleased to be of service. And he points out, you can rely on us, you know, both of you. He's inclined to do everything himself, to give everything of himself. He can't stand to let anyone offer up anything, neither can you. And so, like, he kind of calls her on her bullshit. Like, albeit in a very sweet Calls her on her bullshit, nonetheless. Right. I and- love it. I love it that he does that, though. I mean, this is, I think this is one of the reasons this, this proves, yet again, why I love Cassian so much. Well, right. And, like... I don't know. I feel like we talk about Cassian being like, you know, the comic relief or, you know, we jokingly call him a himbo all the time. But like, honestly, this is when you realize like, he's actually like a super smart guy. Like he actually, like he doesn't show it, but he actually has some pretty incredible emotional intelligence. Like for a dude anyway. (laughs) 
He does. Because what he's basically trying to say is in a nice way, I guess, is that like he sees that Feyre and Reese are both stubborn and like in the best way possible, in the yes. save the world kind of way. But right. that gets hard on everyone else because they want exactly. to help. Yeah. You know, but Reese and Feyre are both like do it alone martyr types. <laughs> Yeah, I know. It's, you know, I just, I, well, I think what I like about this section with Cassian and, you know, it, it shows, it does, it shows that whole other side to him that you don't, you haven't seen yet. Right. And, you know, it makes him, it really kind of shows you, it, it really shows you the depth of his character. Yes. Yes. It shows you like that, um, like softer more like emotional side to him absolutely and i think sometimes people think of him as a bohonk and you know he doesn't have that and he really does and even though people like you know say crap about him because it's him and nesta and i get that too you know at the same time this is it's still great to have this whole you know see the side of him because he isn't a, a bohonk and he isn't you know he isn't big dumb and stupid and, you know, he really does have a lot to him. And, you know, one of the things I look forward to when we get to the TV show, which, oh, by the way, we can confirm oh, from yes. one of the executive producers that it's still in development. This has not been cast, is not being filmed. Yeah, so whoever on the planet, like, messed that up, yeah, they messed that up. Mer- Meryl Davis has said on Twitter when she was asked outright about it that, no, this is still in development. They they are not filming none of that. So dream away on your casts for now, people. We can still dream. But, you know, I think that it really does explain why I question some of the choices I've seen people make for casting because I'm like, no. <laughs> um, and we've talked about that. I mean, even with, with some of the resand castings, all kinds of stuff. You know, there's stuff that people only look at one side of it, and I think there's more to it. Even with Tamlin. I mean, for as much of a tool as Tamlin is, God love him, he's going to require somebody who can have some depth to him. Well, he isn't one-dimensional. And it's interesting, I, kind of unrelated, but sort of on the same like pathway here. Um, I ran across this series of TikToks that, like, wasn't anything about anything specific. It's just this woman who, I guess people, like, comment, and then she, like, picks out of the comments which one she's going to do. But she basically just does some sort of, like, reaction, basically, to, like, somebody will be like, how do you feel about, insert, like, celebrity here? And it's usually supposed to be, like, male celebrity crush type things or whatever. Right. And she was talking about Tom Hiddleston, and she was like, she kind of does it, like, in a roast style, but when she got to Tom Hiddleston, she was like, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I guess she was trying to do like, you know, like quote unquote, like controversial, like, is he hot? Is he not ones or whatever? She was like, I don't know. I'm really confused because I didn't realize that there were like people on this planet who like didn't think he was attractive. And so she was like, I like did not understand that this was up for debate, but okay. And she pointed out like, <laughs> like she does like a quick little thing where she was like talking about like his relationships or whatever and like guessing what he's like that based off of that. And she basically was right. like, I don't understand. Like, I didn't see him as like a quote unquote, like controversial one or whatever, because based off of like the people he's dated, he's pa- dated like these women who are like really like top notch on top of their game, like really like, you know, solid in their, you know, careers and yada, yada. 
And she was like, and for that to be the case, I feel like he's dating these women who are like whole well-rounded people, which means he right. must be a whole person. And it was right. just really funny to listen to her put it that way. She was like, I don't know. I mean, I guess I just feel like we all find him attractive because he's a whole person. Like there aren't many of those. <laughs> he's like a whole dude. And it was just really funny to listen to her say that. And I feel like that's kind of what you and I are trying to say with like Cassian and Reese. It's like, I don't know how better way to say it other than like they're whole dudes. Like they have. They're not a character. They're right. not. I mean, they, do they play into stereotypes? Absolutely. But right. they're not. They're not the stereotype. They're not. They're not one dimensional or even two dimensional. Right. right. They're whole dudes with like actual feelings and reactions to things. <laughs> right. And that's what we love about them. Exactly. Exactly. And in fairness, Feyre sometimes can be too. She kind of takes everything that Cassian just said and she stops her beat and she realizes like this whole concept of what he's talking about is true like Reese is a do it alone type and she realizes like if Reese were to do it alone now well an unshakable queasy sort of tightness pushed in on me Reese would survive he wouldn't dare sacrifice everything to make sure we Reese would he had with Amarantha and he'd do it again without hesitation yep and she just suddenly in that moment realizes like oh wait like i want to believe like from the other night when we were talking like i want to believe that like neither of us would do that i want to believe we're both going to make it out of this thing but like maybe not there's no guarantee yeah Yeah, there's no guarantee yeah and so basically this conversation could have easily gotten really dark, except then somebody suddenly shows up and Feyre can tell immediately who it is by the look on Cassian's face. And it's Nesta. <laughs> oh, joy. Well, it is a joy because their interaction is hilarious. <laughs> it is. No, it is. It's totally hysterical. It's just, it's Nesta. Yeah. So and- basically... Yeah, so basically it goes down exactly like you think it would, which is, like, Nesta shows up, and he's, like, care to join, like, training, you know? And she's like, it doesn't look like you're exercising anything other than your mouth. (laughs) 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 And so then Cassian's, like, scared. Why would I be scared of an oversized bat who likes to throw temper tantrums? (laughs) And Feyre's just like, ugh! Like, Vera's like, what is happening? And Cassie, I guess, just like, shoots her a look, like, laugh, and it'll be your last one. And she's like, oh, what am I supposed to do? And so she, like, really tugs on the bottom. She's like, hey, hey, Breeze. Uh, and she literally says, please come spare me from Cassie and Nesta's bickering. And he's like, regretting becoming high lady? <laughs> <laughs> She's like, why is this part of my duties? And he's like, why do you think I was so desperate for a partner? I've had almost 500 years to deal with this alone. It's only fair you have to endure it now. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, he never had to deal with Nesta and Cassian I was going to say, I really... 500 years. I know. I really feel like the answer is like, bitch, you didn't have Nesta, so it is null and void. This does not count. <laughs> That's right. Uh, but yeah, it, it continues because Reese and Feyre are like shouting down the bond, like, oh, fuck. And like, Reese is just like laughing. And Cassian and Nesta are like going at it this whole time. 
because then Not Cassian, paying attention to her being there, by the way. Right, because then Cassian's saying, seems like you're a little on edge, Desta, and you left so abruptly last night. Any way I can help you ease that tension? And she's like, and Favor's like, please, please get me out of here. And Reese is like, well, what do you give me? And she's like, like, I, I don't know. Just get me the fuck out of here, right? And so he's like, <laughs> okay, but no, in all honesty, like, I can't. I'm in a meeting. Like, I can't just, like, disappear in the middle. And then, like, we're back to Nesta. And Nesta's like, Amrit's coming to instruct me in a few minutes. And, like, that's, like, I guess apparently, like, why she's there. And, like, Pharaoh's just like, oh, Jesus Christ. And then suddenly she sees this shadow. And, oh, thank God. <laughs> It's as because, well, you know, while she's thinking, oh, dear God, I don't want to be here. Get me out of here. Thank God Reese came up with a backup plan and sent as to come get her and pick her up for yes. this flying lesson a little early. Oh, darn. Yes. Oh, dang. <laughs> oh, well, we will go. And Cassian kind of picks up on what's happening, but like he doesn't say anything. And yeah. So Farah and Az head off to the pine forest where there's like a lake because as Cassian put it, it's way better to fall into water than rocks when you're trying to learn how to fly. Because it doesn't hurt as much. Right. <laughs> but like, it seems wild to me that Cassian like honestly thought like her first day of flying would involve any flying at all. I know. Which is like clearly why Az is the one teaching her and not Cassian. <laughs> Again, this shows why, you know, as had a point. You learned to fly as a young one, mm -hmm. and um, I had to learn a lot later. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, just, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Because some of that is instinct, dude. Yeah. But, so, as has favor now, and honestly, as, like, can't help but poke a little bit of fun at Cassian. Because he says, I dropped Amron off at the house on the way in. And then he says, I told her to get to the training ring immediately. After a few minutes, that is. <laughs> <laughs> because, like, he's just like, I really kind of wanted Nesta and Cassian to, like, duke it out a little while and want to blood the sweat. And Feyre's just like, poor Cassian! And Asriel just says, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> Which I just, yeah, I love. So, anyways, now they're going to have their little flying lesson, and first she needs to summon her wings, and it takes her a minute, given she hasn't really done it recently. And once she does, as closely, like, looks over the wings, like, giving her a few pointers on, like, where she can change them slightly so that they have, like, a more properly, like, you know ratio of muscle and like where it's weighted right. and all of that and by the time he's done Feyre's already sweaty from just like having to hold her weight <laughs> and I used to having to carry that kind of weight on our back well that's what I was thinking like I can only imagine like my shoulder blades hurt just thinking about it <laughs> I was trying to think about that I was like how heavy are these things I mean I don't know I, I couldn't imagine but it makes my back hurt just thinking about it like, all right, random, but it, it does make sense here. So today I was, I was surfing, I was on Instagram for something, like sc scrolling through my feed and Chef Jeffrey Zakarian, I follow him on, on Insta because he has, he actually has good recipes he'll post, but nice. every once while he does is he posts his workout. Oh, like I know chefs work out, but holy shit. That's hilarious. He was doing sit-ups with one of the big, like, 100-pound weights. The big, like, 
free weight that they put yeah. on the bar. But he had it on his like on his, on his chest and yeah. chest. And he's doing sit-ups on a bench with it. Yeah. Throwing a medicine ball back and forth to his trainer. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. I was like. You're like, Dude well, damn. ripped. Yeah, for real. But, you know, at the same time, it's like, okay, the muscles that that takes, like, I hurt thinking about it. And I, you know, knowing we were going to be talking about this, I was just like, oh. Yeah. Yeah. That's got to be real. what that feels like. For real. That's a good one. Because, yeah, I would agree. That's the closest I can come to even yeah. imagining the pain. Because, like, I'm watching his arms and his shoulder, like, go back from yeah. catching that medicine ball. And, you know, that medicine ball has got to probably weigh. Probably about 10 Easily. Pounds. Yeah. Minimum 10, 10 probably pounds. more. Uh, I don't know, because once they get over, like, 12 pounds, the size of them to be able to catch isn't so great. Well, I mean, it was... Well, I, I guess he was, has man hands, so... <laughs> it was a small... I mean, it was... It was like a small basketball. Yeah, then it could be size. up to 30. Yeah. But yeah. I don't, Jesus Christ. Like... I'm imagining, because I have strong shoulders, and I know how much I can put into my shoulders, but I was like, between that and then the weight on his, oh, God, you know? Yeah. And I can only imagine, like, my whole body hurt thinking about that. My upper yeah. body. So, talking about her doing that, I'm like, oh, I can only imagine. Right, exactly. Yeah. So, she's already sweating, and as realizes he's going to have to, like, touch them you know and like well we know like how wings are so like this could have gotten weird but as is a gentleman so it turns out okay he does ask permission yes <laughs> he cleared his throat i know you're not a lyrian but amongst their kind it is considered inappropriate to touch someone's wings without permission especially females their kind. she's like their kind not his it took me a moment to realize what he was asking oh oh go ahead i need to ascertain if they feel right right <laughs> like what are you gonna say <laughs> like i'm with her she's just like yeah uh-huh and so she puts no her back idea. to him my muscles groaning as they worked and to spread the wings everything from my neck to my shoulders to my ribs to my spine to my ass seemed to now control them and was barking in protest as the weight at the weight movement I'd only had them for a few seconds when Lucian, with Lucian and the Steves. I hadn't realized how heavy they were, how, compl how complex the muscles. Asriel's hands, for all their scarring, were feather light as he grasped and touched certain areas, patting and tapping others. I gritted my teeth, the sensation like having the arch of my foot tickled and poked. And I was like, <laughs> that's a good description because I feel like up until this point we were like, I don't understand. But the whole, like, arch of your foot thing, I get it. Like, think about a foot massage. I mean, maybe it's just me. Well, like, foot massages are, like, half comfortable and you're like, ooh, that feels good. And half, like, this half tickles. Like, yes. Torture from tickle. Yes. 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 And so I was like, oh, I finally understand this wings thing. Like, thank you, Feyre. It took until now, but I finally get it. <laughs> well, you know, it, it's also, like, you know, getting a pedicure done because they yes. always use the feet. And I'm always like, huh? Like, I'm literally trying not to climb out of the chair because I'm yeah. so ticklish. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. And but, I'm like, if you do not firmly gra grasp my foot, it all bets are off. Yeah. I can feel that. I'm with you. But basically, <laughs> as is like, holy cow, they really are just like mine. 
<laughs> and she just kind of like shrugs it off. And he points out that obviously it's her observant art artist eye that made this whole thing possible, which like I think is sweet. Like I love Az. He's so sweet. Anyways, lesson one is basically like just get her to lift the wings off the ground, fold them in and out, which like I said, sounds exhausting. And as it explains does. that like to do all that, she's going to need to strengthen her core, her back, her thighs. And she's like, yeah, everything. You're basically naming everything. <laughs> and he's like, well, you're not wrong. <laughs> I mean, and, if you think about it, these wings are so much bigger than them. Right, exactly. And so basically, they just repeatedly open and close their wings. And the chapter ends with Feyre thinking, I followed his movements, my back throbbing and aching. Perhaps flying lessons were a waste of time. <laughs> which is like sort of depressing when you remember why Reese wants her to do it, you know, like right. he's trying to give her a fighting chance, chance of survival of this like looming battle. But you know, anyway, yeah. So, you know, on that happy note, that's the end of the episode. <laughs> and that's because like, we talked about this last episode, like this chunk of chapters is like sort of weird. It's a little like choppy and it's just like a lot of information. And it's because we're trying to get where we're really trying to go. If that makes sense. Like, absolutely. I mean, like we're doing a little bit of like fancy, like it's not really info dumping, but it's like fancy. It's like zhuzhed up info dumping, you know? It is, but it's also, I mean, we have feelings and it's, you don't realize how many feelings you have about this because from this point on, it's like, somebody pushes the gas pedal down yeah and it's like a race and we're running downhill and uh, you know this is early in a book to literally be able to say because you know the other books they have these this build this build this build this yes this book it's like they crest the hill early and it's just like a race downhill after that you know at breakneck speed and it it just gets faster and faster and you have to be able to talk about these feelings because there's so much that we have had built up. And if you think about it, you know, just reading this, you know, it's, you know, even if you don't know what's coming, but I would assume, God, I hate yeah. that word. Most of us know what's coming, but you yeah. know, even those of us that don't, there are things that we need to, to, you know, kind of get off our chest. I mean, that's one of the things that you and I like about being in a book club together and doing yeah. and reading books. We talk about this all the time about, Oh Yeah how we feel about things and and correlations to this that or the other and you know yeah yeah i had to find the dnf zodiac academy i know you know a lot of of akatar fans are fans of zodiac academy i'm sorry people if if you're a fan i tried i tried i tried i just got so pissed off in book five i just couldn't i had to dnf the series i just couldn't i could not finish book five finally yeah that's pretty far in a series to get like that is that that is so that's yeah yeah so i don't know um books i am liking i'm i'm on a crown of gilded bone so book three of uh from Blood and uh I feel like I'm gonna this is gonna be controversial for an Akatar um um podcast but uh the more I read these books the more I'm really like I gotta say I might I'm 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 really thinking I might for me personally actually would pick Castile over Reese Ooh, yeah I'm not sure. And maybe it's just maybe it's just where we're at in Akawar, you know? Yeah, yeah. Or, or I don't know. 
But yeah, yeah, yeah. More on that later if I work that out in my brain. That, you know, and you know what's funny is, is I feel pretty equal about them both. Yeah, like, yeah, I might with Kit Castillo. And honestly, you know what it might be? <laughs> it may be when you compare the baggage of the two. <laughs> yes. It may be that honestly, the emotional baggage for Reese is um a little much even for me. I think I am like aware of the fact that there is a they both have extensive emotional baggage <laughs> but i feel like castile has like i don't know his 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 way of dealing with it is different or maybe it's just like the lack of dead parents <laughs> there seems to be uh, uh, a clearer uh uh i don't want to say power structure because it's not clearer in the least <laughs> No, not at this point. No, all, all, it all went to shit in the handbasket. Yeah, with us. yeah, but maybe it's it's like their place in the universe, if that makes sense. I guess I would be. Per I think what it is is I would be struggling. Like to me, there's a difference between saying I would pick Castile. I'm saying I would pick Castile. I am not saying I would want to be Poppy. Right. But there is the inherent high lady aspect of picking Reese. And I think that's the part where I'm like, I'm a B and no on that, friends. <laughs> high lady sounds nice in theory, but I do not want to be making these decisions. <laughs> Versus I feel like Castile's like, eh, I already feel like fuck the society anyway. And I'm like, yeah, me too, bro. Oh, wait, wait till we get to Throne of Glass. I can't oh. wait. Yeah, yeah. I can't should, wait. Should be a good time. All right. They're, 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 the, the, the male and female protagonists, man. I can't wait, girl. You, I cannot wait to have these conversations with you. Yes. And then, and then there's Crescent City. Yeah, I, mm, mm, mm. Yeah. We're you, in for it. What the ever-loving fuck did you just do to me? <laughs> yeah. You you may disown me as your friend. <laughs> yeah, well, haven't done it yet, so we're probably good. Okay, so you made it to the end of the episode. We are ready to announce our November Akawar giveaway winner! Woohoo! <laughs> as a reminder, this winner is going to win a beautiful bouquet of paper flowers from Bentgrass Designs, and it is designed with the Akawar pages, which is really cool. So gorgeous. So, so, so gorgeous, y'all. It's so pretty. And we're like really jealous and probably are going to have to get some for ourselves. Um, <laughs> but uh, without further ado, thank you for uh, entering in all of our polls and answering our questions. It was really fun to see how you guys felt about different sections of this book this past month. Uh, so, yeah. So thanks for participating. But our winner is Susie Q0076. And we've seen you around liking our stuff and we've seen you answering our poll. So thank you. And we are super excited for you. Congratulations. You're going to love it. Yes. So just reach out to us sometime in the month of December with an address that we can send your bouquet to. Just message us either on Instagram. I think most of your uh, entries were on Insta. So if you want to just DM us on Instagram, that'd be perfect. Or Facebook or email us. Do whatever you want. Just reach out with your address so that we can get it to you as soon as possible. So Yay! And with that, Kim, hit us with some songs. 
Okay, so songs for chapter five. We had a little bit of fun here. Uh, you know, because we have a little bit going on. We had that crazy dinner and 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 then the meetup with Cassian ripping politely. Favorite a new one being all pissy with her. And you know what? I don't blame him. I think it was kind of crappy what they did. But that being said, we have a few songs. So the first song is Under Pressure by David Bowie and Queen. Uh, and it and song number two, which is Pressure by Billy Joel, go together. And it's because of the pressure of all this crazy with Hyper, and they realize they have to get this High Lord meeting going and get it, you know, underway. So, under pressure and pressure, Queen, David Bowie, Billy Joel, you can't go wrong, people. I'm sorry, just can't. It's true. Total classics here. Um, the next song is The Boys Are Back by the Dropkick Murphys, which, if you know the song, is absolutely just awesome and fun um and it's literally because of the chorus they keep saying the boys are back the boys are back <laughs> um and it it totally hits i make kelsey laugh it totally kind of fits with the whole bat boys at the dinner table and just getting the whole group back together you know the exactly back together and so it, it just kind of goes along with that feeling uh the fourth song is the middle by Jimmy Eat World, and really, it's Lucian during this whole crazy ass dinner, the House of Wind, because he's just oh, like, just a little bit. Fuck is going on? Caught in the middle. Uh, the next song after that is actually Chapter Nineteen. The next two are all Chapter Nineteen. So the next, the the fifth song is The Boxer by Carbon Leaf, because well, let's face it, Cassian and Feyre are duking it out in the practice ring, and uh, the last song. Uh, it also goes in with the Cassian and Favor discussion that they're having when they're, you know, in the practice ring, and it is Bad As I Am by Great Big C. So, those are your six songs. Enjoy them. Um, I certainly do. I know Kelsey does. We've, we've had some interesting conversations. It's funny how much of our music overlaps. Exactly. Um, and we just, we love it, and I'm not gonna lie, even though Great Big C may not be together anymore, um, y'all... I'm going to, like, Great Big See You if I can, because, well, like, Tesh, <laughs> they're one of my favorite bands. So, y'all going to have to deal, because their stuff is just awesome. And if you've ever seen them and you know them, let me know, because I want to hear about people who, who are also GBS fans. Um, anyway, that's it. Also... That's also, shout out, we did get a song suggestion uh, on Instagram. Somebody DM'd us and said that even though we had already passed Akamaf, she had a good song for us for Akamaf. So I just wanted to shout out that she suggested Medieval by, I hope I'm saying this right, Phineas. And she said it reminds her of the whole Tamlin vibe for that book. Yes. And oh. yeah, I was like, we have to, we have to mention that because it's genius. I messaged her back and I said, just checked it out. You are not wrong. <laughs> She is so spot on. That's an awesome choice. You know, so, I try, but I had to shout I that mean, out. Like, good work. Yay! I love it. I love it. I love it. I love getting those suggestions. And thank you. Cause, you know, I do try, you guys. I really do. But Kelsey will tell you at some point, I can't keep up with all my music. Like, I literally will be like, oh, oh, I know I have something. Where is it? And then I, I spend hours down the rabbit hole trying to find it. So I mean, yeah, we just have like a lot of music. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, just uh, like we have a lot of places you can find us on the internet. Remember, they all have two A's, like Sarah J. Mass's name. Website, MassiveFansBookClub.com. Facebook at MassiveFansBookClub and Podcast. Twitter at MassivePodcast. Instagram at MassiveFansPodcast. That's probably where we're most active. Pinterest at MassiveFans and TikTok at MassiveFanPod. Also, I think that TikTok likes to shadow ban me for no good reason. So sorry if you can't actually see us there half the time. Bye, guys. We try. We try. We're definitely in in books and barbells. Books and barbells had to create like three other accounts because you keep getting shadow banned. Really? (laughs) Yeah, it's a thing. Yeah, TikTok's a wild. It's like the wild, wild west of the internet. (laughs) All right. Well. Um, So your safe place to find us is Instagram or our website. Those don't break often. (laughs) <laughs> we, we definitely i mean we're, we're we are in the other places but we're probably on well insta first the website and also our um our our facebook page we do keep yes. an eyeball on that too so you know so yeah but with that we will talk with you next week okay bye bye